If you decided to listen to this week's message of Daxadeo Fichard Park, we know that Jesus has placed something on your heart. So let's dive in. Friends, we are kicking off with a brand new series tonight called Making Space. Making Space. And maybe just turn to the person behind you or next to you and just say, can I get a little space? (laughs) If you're already sitting on your own, maybe you need to close the gap a bit more. (laughs) Men, that was for you. Close the gap. One of the most frustrating things in life is if you don't have enough space. Ladies, let me start with you first. That gene. (laughs) Yeah, that's how I wanted to start. You know that feeling of, you know, it's December, (laughs) things have gotten a little out of hand, you know. Uh, the things don't work the way they should. I mean, that stupid washing machine crimped, you know, crimped. <laughs> what it, what it, shrinked your jeans. Shrunk. Thank you. Men, this is for you. <laughs> that little button on a shirt has got miracle powers. To keep that thing inside. Any men here who can, uh, who has like a, 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 a few, you know, like shirts in your closet that you're going to wear again when you were as fit as you were when you were a trick. Anyone like me? I still keep them. I mean, it's, I'm 35 now, but I, I'm hoping <laughs> things will turn out better for me. Uh, for those of you who are married, I mean... You get into marriage with this idea that you're going to lie next to your spouse in bed and just cuddle each other every night and she will be sleeping in your arms and it's going to be incredible. And then two weeks into the marriage, you discover this. (laughs) Mommy takes up her side of the bed. Dad is put to the side. We don't have a cat, but we've got three kids and they are on me when they're in our bed. I don't know why. Look at all those wasted space in the bed. (laughs) For those of you who are looking forward to marriage, this is reality, people. (laughs) So another example, one of the like most devastating messages that you can get on a mobile phone is what? Low disk space. I mean, that 16 gig kept like two weeks. Then it's your one video is like three gigabytes, you know. It's frustrating to not have space in your life, to not have breathing room. And what happens to us very quickly is we find ourselves in a place of being restricted. The breath out of our lungs having that feeling of I'm overextended, I'm overloaded, my life is, it's too much to handle, I'm on the brink of burnout, I'm going to burst, I'm on the verge of just leaving it all, I'm thinly spread. Any one of you, after February at that place, be very honest with yourself. Sure, 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 sure. You see, here's the crisis, friends. 
in our lives, we've got a reality that we call the load that we carry. When I speak about that, I'm speaking about the responsibilities that we have, the obligations that we have, the work, the problems, the crisis, the expectations, students sometimes of the family, sometimes of yourself, debt, deadlines, conflicts, whatever it is, we call that the load that you carry in life. On the other end of the spectrum, we've got what we call the ability in your life to carry the load. When I speak about ability, I'm speaking on things like energy, time, skill, emotional strength, physical endurance, faith, finances, loving relationships in your life. Those are the ability that we have to carry the load of our lives. And what happens so many times in our lives is that the load becomes bigger than the ability to handle the load. And what happens then is we are overextended, we are overloaded. And maybe for the first time, it makes sense in your life tonight. Your load is too heavy for the ability to carry the load. On the other hand, when your ability or your power or the, you know, to handle the challenges of life and the things that are thrown at you, when that is bigger than the load that you carry, what happens is you live in freedom. You have breathing space. And therefore, this little cage, and let's call it the room tonight. You see, when I was a student, I mean, when you were in high school, it's like you live by a schedule. Someone tells you, you need to be there. You need to do this. You need to do this. Then, when you come to varsity and you start studying, what happens is, it's like you have space. Nobody is telling you what to do anymore. You've got a room and it's empty. It's amazing. You can run around in your room. You can play in your room. You can breathe in your room. You can lie in your room. You can do whatever you want because you have time. You have capacity. You have breathing space. And then you get to bloom and you go and register and there's something wrong with your registration. So a little corner of your room is now taken up by the capacity to handle that issue. Then there are your friends. They've got a schedule that you need to stick to. I mean, it's a social, like twice a day sometimes. Yeah, are you laughing now? You can decline, I just want to say. <laughs> if you don't want friends, decline it. And now... There are the expectation of your parents. I, when are you starting with your classes? Uh, are, you, are you actually studying? What are you doing? Then there's a lot of, you know, stuff that you, you need to get done in studies. Then there's, you know, this other thing that you are part of. You know, you, you're playing a sport or whatever. And now it takes up that kind of room. Then another crisis hits. Relationship issue, financial issue, and what happens very, very quickly in your life is that you don't have the ability and the capacity to deal 
with the challenges in your life and the responsibilities in your life and you are pressed against the wall of your room. You are overloaded. You are overextended. Young adults, young working people, that first salary, I mean, it's 5,000 rand, but it's, it's amazing. It's a room. Yes, that's before taxes, no? So, I mean, 5,000 rand without taxes. Come on. And then you start working, you get that first salary, it's open. You know, you spend it all in a week. It's like, woo, I have space. Then the next month, someone tells you, okay, uh, what about retirement? You're like, oh, okay. Like, I'm 21. <laughs> yes, but in 50-something years or 40-something years, you will not be 21 anymore. Okay, now I need to get retirement. I need to get a funeral, like, thing. And I need to get life insurance. Life insurance. What is that? Medical, like bills and insurance and uh, uh, tithing. Oh, like, again, social. It's like, tonight we're going to that. Tonight, next night we're going to this place. And the other night you are paying because it's your turn now. And, I mean, then, then you get married at some stage. And you think, oh, at last... I will have breathing room again in my finances. My brother, you obviously do not know what it means to be married. Mama et planner with your money. Leafy has got plans with your money. <laughs> and you have kids and a house loan and a car payment. And when you get yourself, you're again in the corner, pressed by the responsibilities, by the challenges, by the stresses of life. And you have no breathing room. And for many people, maybe not for you tonight, but for many adult people, they look at their situation, they're pressed into the corner of their lives, they're under a lot of tension and stress. They think to themselves, I need to get out of this. I need a bigger room. Look at them. Look how spacious they are. You know, that person has got a car and a that and a that. You know, their room is like huge. I want that room. And here's the crisis, people. Who decides what kind of room and how big your room is? Who decides that? God. <laughs> he thought that at this stage in your life, at this specific moment in your history and future, this is the room that He has given to you. You have time, you have money, you have relational capacity. He thought that this is what He has given you. And all that we need to do is actually to take what we have and steward that in such a way that in the future, when it grows, you can actually take good care of your time, your finances, and your relationships. That you can steward that in such a way that it doesn't put you in a corner of, of stress and burnout and all of the ugly stuff that you get when you're here pressed 
by the responsibilities of your life. Let's read together Psalm 18. David writes this, and it's a desire of God for us to live in this way. He says the following, He rescued me from the powerful enemy, that's David writing, from my foes who were too strong for me. They confronted me in the day of my disaster, but the Lord was my support. You could see David is under a lot of pressure at the moment. He's only, like one of his sons is after him to kill him. I mean, that's Bikirov. And then he said, but he brought me out. That's God. He brought me out into a spacious place. He rescued me and he delighted in me. What is God's will for your life, my friend? It's not the overextended, overloaded, stressed, almost on the brink of burnout kind of life. It's the life of spaciousness, of breathing room, of freedom in Him. That is the kind of life that God has designed for each and every one of His children. And that's where we're going with this series. So tonight, we're going to speak a bit on the thing of time. How do I make the most of the time that I have available in my room? Next week, we're speaking on the thing of relationships and how to actually navigate the relationships in my life, how to create margin in my life to make sure that I have enough capacity to connect to the right people. And the last week, we're going to speak on finances and money. Are you ready? So, my friend, all of us are, in a sense, in this room. Maybe you, you see the thing filling up like every day, and you are thinking to yourself, when is this going to break? When am I going to be put in the corner? Maybe you are already at that place where you are stuck in the corner. You can't get out. You feel the pressure. You are overloaded. Wherever you are, the question tonight to ask is, how did you get here? How did I get at that place in my life? And there are three answers for it. The first thing is this. You are living without a plan. You're living unintentionally. It means that you don't have a dream for your life, that you're waiting for someone to take responsibility of you. And let me tell you, my friend, no one is going to do that for you anymore. You are now the designer, the writer of where your life is going. And here's the amazing thing is that God has put in you creativity. He's put in you capacity to build a life that is glorifying Him, that is shining of His goodness and His grace over your life. You can be intentional with the room that you have. The second reason is discontentment. Like I said, now, it's like, oof. I have a bit of a small room, God, you know, just give me a larger one. Then I'll be a good steward of my room. Just give me space. Just give me breathing room, a bigger room, Lord. It's discontentment. And the last thing is we live in a culture that dictates for us that you have to give up the capacity of your room every little bit to make sure that you get a bigger room. You are driven. This culture that we live in is driven for another degree, for another bigger salary, for another house, for 
the bigger means in life, for a bigger impact in life, for glory in life. We live in a culture that influences us in such a way that we're not content with our room. We need to be better. We need to go bigger. And we live in this culture that drives us. What is God's answer for this? It's actually very simple, but so complex. God's answer for this problem that we have is called margin. Margin. What do I mean by that? You see, there's no scripture that says, uh, thou shall have margin in life. So if you want to go and Google that, sorry, it's not there. But I'm going to show you from Scripture that it's actually a principle that God has put in place to make sure that you have space in your life, that you have a bit of margin in your time, in your finances, in your relational capacity to move and for God to move. You have that, that space to be objective over your own life see what's going on, and actually make godly decisions in life. You see, but you can't do that if your life is full from the beginning to the end, if your room is too full. And I want to show you from Scripture that this is such a beautiful principle that God has put in place. Let's read Genesis 2 uh, verse 1. Even from Genesis, God is so, so very um, intentional with this thing. He says, Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. But the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. What's happening here? God works six days in creation. We know that it's not like, no, like days, days. It's more like periods. God works for six days and then he rests. Why? Why did God have to rest? Was it because he's tired? I don't think so. Why did God rest? Why did he take off a day? It was for this. Reflection. Enjoyment. Seeing the work that he had done and think to himself, this was good. I put my, my whole heart into this and I'm pleased with what I see. He created margin in his life for awe and wonder to fill him. Another principle was the, the year of jubilee that God instituted with his, uh, his people. So for seven years the people of Israel would plant and, you know, get crops from the field for seven years. And then God said, take one year off. Imagine that in your workplace or your studies. Seven years, we give it all. And then we have a year off. Imagine. Everyone was like, okay, I need to write that down for Monday morning's meeting. I'm going to propose this, people. This is revolutionary and it's biblical. I'm going to preach it there at my workplace. My, my lectors and everyone needs to know of this. I'm taking, in seven years' time, I'm taking off. What's the principle that God wanted to install in his people's lives is 
can you trust me that in six years or in seven years, I will supply enough for eight years? Can you trust me that I am the God of abundance, that I will bless you in such a way that this year you dedicated to me as an action of faith that I am enough for you. There's another principle in the Old Testament. Tithing. You get 10 pieces. And the first piece you hand it over to God as a statement of faith to say, Lord, none of it is mine anyway. It's all yours. This is a declaration of my faith in you as my provider. There are many of these moments in the Bible where where God introduces margin. What's the, what's the thing of margin? It's actually so simple. To not live from side to side. To have space. To have a zone, a buffer zone in your life. A reserve in your life. Actually, we call that the faith zone. The place where God can work. Why is this so important? Eugene, I'm, I mean, okay, I get this, but this like, it feels like, you know, modern psychology. What's going on here? You know, you said there's not a verse. Can we just skip this over? My friend, it may not be a biblical principle or a verse that is a command, you know, go, thou shall, you know, have margin in your life. But listen to this. You being available for God to use in his kingdom, that is a command. And the only way for you to be available for God to move in and through your life is to have margin. Imagine you are in a corner, stuck in a corner. Finances, time, relationships, everything is under stress and to its capacity. There are no reserves over. You are tired. You are burned out. You can't do anything. And then God comes and says, listen here, there's this person in your class There's this person in your family. There's this person in your business that I want to touch through your life. And you're like, whoa, God, I am overextended. Can't you see that I am overloaded? Take someone else, please. I don't have money. I don't have time. I don't have anything. You see, that is a command in Scripture. Be available for God to be used. We had the Serving Saturday thing yesterday, outreach in Haidadar, and just shout out to everyone that was there. Woo, wave at me. It was incredible. And uh, as we drove there, my oldest boy, he asks me like, Dad, why is the like shops here smaller? <laughs> you see, he's a bit of a materialist, so he immediately see the shops. And then he said to me, it looks like the people here doesn't, live nice in their homes. It's like, it's too small. It looks like not nice. Now he's six years old. So I want to teach him a principle here. Eventually it came down to this that I I taught him like some people do not have the means that we have. There are other people that don't have as much money as we do. And his eyes were like this. And he said like, but what are you going to do about it? I was like, I don't know, what do you think? And he's like, well, give them money. I said like, okay, sure. (laughs) We need to make this practical, you know. (laughs) I have a few rands in my car, but he got it. He got it. 
So he said to me, like, and I had to explain to him that not everyone in that community have jobs to supply enough money for them to actually be able to, to live that bigger kind of life. And he's like, okay, but that's simple. You know, let the people who have jobs then give the jobs to the people who don't have, and then the city will be better, he said. I'm like, boy, you get it. You're a city changer. You have strategy. You have the, the vision of God in your mind. But you see, if you don't have margin, probably when God knocks on your door to be used in his kingdom, you're too overextended. You're overloaded. You will say no. So that's the first reason. The second reason is maybe a very selfish reason, but it's not selfish in the bad way. It's actually good for you to have margin in your life. Listen to what James Bryan Smith said on this topic. He said, when we lack margin in our lives, we become tired and lonely and joyless, which seems to be inviting temptation to our lives. You see, when we are pressed into the corner, our rooms are too full. There's a real enemy out there. His name is Satan, and he looks at you and he thinks, let me just throw in a bit of an escape plan for him or her. Temptation. What is temptation? It's escaping from reality. It's escaping from the complexity of your life. It's a suggestion to, you know, just for a moment, forget about the complexity of your life. That's temptation. The enemy comes in the... He doesn't come when you have space. When you are free, when you're breathing. No, he comes when you are pressed to the side of your life. And he says... I have a suggestion. Go in this direction. Do this. You know, this will make you feel better. This is a way out of this complexity of your life. He goes on to say, margin restores balance and restores our souls, thus increasing our capacity for joy. Don't you want that? Increasing the capacity of joy. Jesus at margin. At one stage in Matthew chapter 14, he was ministering to a lot of people. And then King Herod, you know, sliced off the head of his cousin, John the Baptist. They were growing up together. They were very good buddies. And that happened. And I mean, go and read it. The disciples was like very insensitive because they came to Jesus while he was ministering. And they said to him, Jesus, by the way, um, your cousin, his head is cut off. It's like, insensitive much like give the man a break just let him finish and then the word says jesus immediately after that moment went onto a boat by himself and went to you know be with his father he had to process the grief the pain the issue of this beloved friend and family member of his you know he was also a man jesus was a man just like us he felt the emotion of loss. He had to go by himself. He created margin to go and deal with that in his life. Then it says the people followed him. They screamed from the beach, come back, come preach to us. Insensitive much. He comes back. He preaches to them. He gives them bread and fish. 5,000 people were fed that day. And then the scripture said immediately after that, Jesus sent his disciples to go. And he went onto the mountain 
to be with his father again. You see, we read over those scriptures and it's nice, you know. But do you get the principle here is that Jesus had margin in his life to handle the things of his life so that he could be available when his father wants to use him in ministry. What a beautiful principle. I want to end off with this one idea. Let's speak about time for a moment. Time. I'm not going to speak about money. I'm not going to speak about relationships. Just time tonight. I think God wants to also say something about time. It seems like he's like, come on, let's do this. Okay. <laughs> Listen here. How many hours do you have? Anyone? This is not a trick question. 24, except if you eat bar one. 25 hours. Ha, 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 ha. All of us has got the same hours, but it seems like some people actually spend their time better than others. Agreed? It seems like there are people with a lot of things, a lot of things to do, a lot of responsibilities, but it seems like they get a lot more done than some of the other people. They always say, if you want to have something done, give it to a busy person because they have capacity to handle the things of life. Here's the crazy thing about time. You can't save time. Someone would say, yes, I'm going this way because I'll save time. Nonsense. Time cannot be saved. There's not an account for you to save time. Time can only be spent. You can choose how you spent your time. And your time, my friend, is already working out, worked out. God knows when your days will end. And as we sit here, every minute that goes by, your life becomes shorter and shorter. <laughs> like doom and gloom preacher. No, Eugene, come on, get to the nice stuff. But that's the fact of life. You can only spend the time that you have. How do you create margin in your life then with the time that you have? Three principles. It starts with an S, all three of them. The first one is strategy. You need a strategy. Paul says, be, don't be unwise, but be wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. You have the capacity, my friend, to be intentional with your time, to plan ahead, to use your time in such a way that it glorifies God. Have you ever considered making God part of the decision-making of how you spend your time? Let Him lead you what to say no for and what to say yes to. You see, you can't say yes to everything the moment you say yes to one thing, you're saying no to another. You have to get God's wisdom on what to say yes to and what to decline in your life. Be intentional with your time. The second principle is Sabbath. Now, when I say Sabbath, I'm not speaking about the law of the Sabbath in the Old Testament where God said you have to work six days and then Friday evening you have this weird kind of cultic meal where you light candles and eat weird bread and stuff and then you can't do anything on the Saturday. You can't help your wife if she's broken her ankle. You can't feed the um, donkeys. You have to rest, lie in your bed. That's the safest thing to do on a Sabbath. Otherwise, God will kataza you. I'm not speaking about that. There's a difference between the law of the Sabbath and the principle of the Sabbath. The law of the Sabbath is done because Jesus came and He became our Sabbath. Go and read Galatians 
the whole book and chapter 3 exactly describes this idea that the Sabbath, the law of the Sabbath was given to the people of Israel as a foreshadow of Jesus that was to come. Our eternal rest, our eternal Sabbath. Now Jesus has come. He he fulfilled the law and He is now our Sabbath. That's why we have Sunday church and not Saturday because Jesus was resurrected on a Sunday. And maybe for the first time you're like, wow, I understand it. In the Old Testament, the law of the Sabbath, people at church on a Saturday in, during the rugby. So that would have been bad. So here's the principle. The law is done with, but the principle of the Sabbath remains. What does that mean? It, it means that God has made you and I to work six days and rest one day. And when I speak on rest, I'm not, I'm not saying lying in bed and watching Netflix. I'm speaking about being rebuilding, the rebuilding and renewing your inner man. Doing things that actually rejuvenates you, that recreates you inside. That's what I'm saying. You, you see, you can put God to the test. That's His principle. Six days work, seven, the seventh day rest. You can, you can test it. Try working seven days every week. At one stage, God will help you, my friend. You will get a lacquer bronchitis or a stomach bug and be plat for a week. And God is saying, lie down, rest, recuperate, find your strength in me again. (laughs) It's the principle of the Sabbath that is so important. And then the last S is you need to slow down for loving union with your king. We all know the scripture, Isaiah 40 verse 31. It says, But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. This word wait, we don't like the word wait. Anyone who likes to wait in the queue somewhere, is there some weird people like that? We don't like the word wait, but that's not the word that the Bible is using here. The word that the Bible uses here is made up of two concepts. The first concept is the word to chill, literally, to hang around, to do nothing, to just be and not do. Be a human being, not a human doing in that moment. So the first part of the word is chill, hang around. The second part is the word to braid or to, you know, to, to, get, to put a few ropes together and make one. You see, there are moments in our lives where we need to pause, bring the speed down in our lives and just be with Jesus. I'm going to shout this sermon so that you will never forget it. Yes. There will be moments where you need to stop, pause, and just be with your Creator. You can't experience loving union with Jesus if you go at full speed all the time. It's impossible. You need to slow down. Somewhere in your week, somewhere in your day, slow down the pace so that you can be braided 
so that you can be formed, so that you can be filled, so that you can connect, so that you can have intimacy with your master, with Jesus, with your friend, with God. Maybe Yaku and Almaret can join me on stage. Who of you remember in matric those maths um, like books? They had a lot of lines and then they had what we call a margin on the one side. Do you remember? I know it's a long time back, but do you remember? What are those margins for? It's for correction so that the teacher can come and correct some of the things that you've left out or forgot or did wrong. Friend, listen to me. The margin in your life is the space for God to come and work on your life. Listen to this. God will not create margin for you. You have to do it. But when you create margin in your life, it creates a space for Him to come and work. To come and be who He wants to be in your life. So I don't know where you are. Maybe you are pressed in the corner. Maybe you are looking for an escape. I don't know. Can I invite you tonight to come to Jesus and say, Lord, here I am. My room is a mess. I don't even know where to start. I don't have the wisdom. I don't have the knowledge. I don't know how to sort out my life. But this one thing I know is that I trust in you and that I want to surrender to you, Jesus. God, I commit to start to make margin in my life, maybe small, to make margin for you to come and move into the mess of my life. God, I know it's going to be difficult. I know it's going to ask a lot of me to rethink my decisions to take off the pressure, but I trust in you to come and work in my life. What a message. If you feel that someone would benefit from this, share it with them. We are all about family on mission.